this episode, we are discussing boundaries. Jamie and I talk about our own personal struggles and triumphs with boundaries, as well as give you some tips, advice, and great life hacks for having healthy boundaries. This is Heather Wood and Jamie Hayhurst, and this is the Intuitive Girls Guide. Hey, Jamie, I think we should talk about boundaries today. How do you feel about that? Oh, yes. I love this conversation. (laughs) This is one of my favorite things to help empathic, intuitive people with. And I would like to make it clear that I'm not just really good at this because I study it, but I'm really good at it because I did it really wrong for a really long time. (laughs) Exactly. We've learned the hard way how to have really strong boundaries. Yes. And before we get into this, I want whoever's listening to hear me say to you that this is not us telling you that, you know, you're doing something wrong or being preachy because this stuff is freaking hard. Yeah. And like, don't hear this as some social media meme where we're telling you to like, raise your boundaries and be a better person. It's not like that. No, no, no. It's not like that. It's let's keep ourselves safe and protected and emotionally, especially, and let's um, allow ourselves or give ourselves permission to stand up for what feels good to us. Exactly. Empaths, we're not so good at that as a group. (laughs) No, empaths are not great at that. People in this country are not great at that. Humans are now not great at that. Like it's really devolving. So we need to pick it up and, and get better at it. Yeah, I have many thoughts as to why that I will sprinkle in as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let me tell you what the Wikipedia definition of boundaries is first. Okay. So that definition is guidelines, rules, limits a person creates to identify safe, reasonable, and permissible ways for others to behave towards them, and how they will respond. Someone passes the if someone passes those limits. Oh, I actually like that. I don't mind that one at all. I thought it was going to be about like actual boundaries. I know. I know. I well, I looked up personal boundaries. I love that. So that's that definition. I love that too. I'm going to give you my definition, which is a little shorter. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. Okay, mine is the limits you create to keep yourself in your desired state as much as possible. Wait a minute. That's like an official definition. Will you say it? Again? <laughs> That's a real definition. Repeat it, please. Okay. Limits you create to keep yourself in your desired state as much as possible. Yes. I like that. Thank you. Do you have a definition for boundaries, Jay? Well, I mean, not that official. I'm not that formally (laughs) open. But yes, for me, boundaries are the way I manage the energy that's going out of my energetic body and also coming into my energetic body. Ooh, I like that. I like the, I like the way that you're explaining the in and out, because I think that's, I think that is often overlooked. That was where I, that was where the main source of resistance came for me as an empath resisting boundaries. It was in that, the in and the out, the inflow and the outflow was where I had a lot of resistance. So I had to sort of um, add it to my own personal definition to remind myself. Oh, I like that a lot. I'd like to also add in here, and I'd like your thoughts on this, Jay. I don't think boundaries should just be with people. I think, 
I think they should be just throughout your life. Like it could be with a job or with an experience or like it could be anything. So often we talk about it like just as like a boundary with another person. But I think being an intuitive person, you are naturally more in tune with your feelings right? Mm-hmm. They feel stronger. Now you may have had some experiences that have caused you to like disconnect that. I mean, there's other parts to this, but on a basic level, you are far more driven by and you experience your, your emotions much more, which that's what intuition is. Right. Right. So we're taught that you should not live your, or conditioned that you shouldn't live your life based on how you want to feel. And so you kind of go through life. And when that alarm goes off, inside of you. And if you're intuitive, if you're an empath, it's a loud alarm. It goes off a lot where you're like, this doesn't feel good. Whatever you're doing, it might have nothing to do with people. It might be an experience. It might be a thing. It might be a day, like whatever that's worth paying attention to. And that's a boundary being crossed. Right. I think that, I think the word that you just said is key is attention because Sometimes you can feel drawn into to something that you're witnessing or something that you're hearing and you and, and your attention goes there immediately and it's hard to stop that flow of attention. And that itself is a boundary of like that. I'm not giving my time to that. I'm not giving my attention to that. And that's not what a lot of people would consider a boundary. They would think that a boundary is like telling someone no. Exactly. Exactly. A boundary is telling someone no, but a boundary is also acknowledging and realizing that you're in a situation or experience that does not feel good to you. Mm. Or that it's like a lot of times when I'm drawing a boundary, it's just me saying that's not mine. Oh, I like that a lot. Like, like That's not mine. I see that it's like, that's upsetting, but that's not mine. I can't, that's not mine to manage. So if I'm like stressing something or sweating something, that's me sending all my energy out to it when it's not mine. And that's holding a really bad boundary. Ooh, I like that. I also have to do that a lot. It's like you have to remind yourself a lot as an empath that you're not here to rescue everyone from their stuff. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? You're here to like support them through it and to hand them some tools as they go through it. And that can be really hard. And I think that's certainly a boundary. And it's one that I... In, in a constant state of reminding myself about. Right. And if you're doing that, it, that's not the other person breaking your boundary. Even if you're doing, if you're giving a hundred percent of your energy and attention to someone else for someone else's crisis, that's not them doing that to you. You don't need a boundary against them. It's you doing it. You're throwing all your attention and your energy into it. So it's like, you need your own personal boundary. Yeah. And, and I feel like those are boundaries we cross based on conditioning. And I think that all human beings are conditioned to place everyone else over themselves and to like ignore their own feelings and to not speak up for themselves and that that's selfish. But I do think that girls slash women are taught that more. Like we're sort of conditioned and and, uh, raised to be everybody's mother, I think. Yes, uh, certainly conditioned by this country and the patriarchy to do exactly that. Yeah. So it it can be, you kind of constantly have to look at the boundaries that your ego is crossing your own self, the conditioning that you have that voice telling you 
don't speak up for yourself right now, it will make another person uncomfortable. You have to, it's, it's not always another person. It's that voice inside of you quite often that you have to set the boundary with. Right, exactly. And I think that it's everyone's own personal journey as to which is harder to address. For me, it was easier to address like that voice and to recondition that voice and then use that to then outwardly say no to other people. Same. But sometimes it's the other way around. I totally agree. I think you have to you have to navigate that for yourself. I think it depends on the role that voice plays in your life. I know that voice ruled my life for most of my life. So right. learning to change what you do with that voice is a big deal. Right. And exactly. And to your point about conditioning, girls in this country are conditioned to not say no, to be you know, pleasing to please people, to say yes all the time, to be helpful and kind and sweet. So um, it gets really hard after a couple decades of doing that to start to unpack that and rework it. Absolutely. And I actually have an example that goes to that. So you know that I like to take women's self-defense classes. (laughs) Yes, I do know that. I've taken many. I very much enjoy it. I, I really do. I love it's right up my alley because I always, in my brain somewhere, I think I can take anybody. And I'm, if you don't know me, I'm five foot zero. Like it's, it's not very likely. <laughs> Somebody tells me I can. So it like helps me have backup for that. But anyways, in every single woman's self-defense class that I have ever taken, there is always the section that gives me the biggest stomach ache. And it it doesn't, it's probably not what most people think. It's that the majority of women, when they are attacked, have been made uncomfortable by usually a man, of course, in these situations, that's what we're talking about, but been made uncomfortable by a man for over 20 minutes before they were attacked and they never spoke up. Oh, no. I I believe it, though. Yeah. I mean, I've had experiences like that, you know, when I was in my early 20s where, like, someone's standing too close to you and you don't want to say anything or they're making you uncomfortable and you have this voice in your head that says you need to be polite to this man and not hurt his feelings. Yeah. Instead of saying, I need you to take a step back. I feel uncomfortable. I don't think I would have had the guts to say that when I was like 20. Well, who's ever been taught that or who's been had that modeled for them to say, I need you to take a step back. Yeah. So that's one of the first things that they teach you when you take these classes is to right away speak up if somebody is making you uncomfortable. And there's also the part where they always say, clearly that person's not reading your signals and they're not, they don't care. <laughs> Most right. likely. Right. You know what I mean? right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So, so just to that point, we're just not taught to do this and it feels uncomfortable and scary. And it feels like you're being rude a lot of the times, but I do think once you start doing it more, it gets a little bit more comfortable, but for me, it will always be uncomfortable. I agree. I think it, I think it is going to be uncomfortable most of the time. Yeah. All right. I want to just say that there's a, there's a difference between a boundary and what I call a barrier. And I want to like, I want to highlight this because creating barriers is not healthy and creating boundaries is. So Mm -hmm. I want to make sure we clarify this right at the jump here so that people, so you can catch in your own life where you might have a barrier versus a boundary. Okay. So boundaries always come from a place of love. It's a, it's from your intuition. 
right? So boundaries always come from a place of like, oh, this doesn't emotionally feel right. So I need to take care of myself and and make it feel right. Mm -hmm. A barrier comes from a place of fear. Right. Barriers are designed to keep people away from you and at a distance where boundaries are designed to be able to help you have connection to people that is healthy. Yes. Does that make sense? So you would put up a barrier out of fear because you, you are like, I can't, I don't feel powerful around this other person or this other set of people. So I'm going to create a barrier where a boundary would be something you would put up because you want to still have a connection with somebody. Yes. I think that's a very important distinction. And even if you've created like a super firm boundary where someone gets nothing from you, it's not a barrier because it comes from a place of you feeling confident in making that call that you don't get anything from me. Exactly. The barrier barrier is motivated by fear. Exactly. And a great way to, to detect which is, which is which, and I'll give you some examples of barriers in a minute, but this is my way that I check this because it can feel like the line is blurry sometimes. Yeah. Barriers are, are about other people. So you have barriers up because you can't, don't feel powerful enough to control other people. Boundaries are put up about you because you are being powerful and saying this doesn't feel good. So look at, is this about the other person or is this about me? And that will really help you see which one you have. Right. That's a great point. So an example of a barrier I heard yesterday um, whilst sitting in a coffee shop. I bet you can guess which coffee shop I was Resto, in. Restoration Coffee. <laughs> I heard um, there were two women speaking. They were sitting at the table next to me. I am an accidental eavesdropper, so I'm sorry. If you sit next to me, <laughs> I'm fully going to listen to your conversation. Same. Okay. So one of the one girl said to the other girl, I, you are the only friend that I have that's a girl because I don't get along with women. So I only have male friends. Oh, I heard it so often in my life. That whole thing. Yes, me too. So that is an example of a barrier. Okay. So in, you're not, you're feeling as though, here's my guess, mystery woman in the coffee shop. (laughs) I bet that you've had a couple of really devastating experiences with women stabbing you in the back, hurting your feelings, whatever. And it felt safer to you to just create a barrier where you won't be close to any woman and you just write off any woman to be connected to. And this isn't a judgment of you, baby. We have all been in that place. (laughs) Right. We have been, we've been put there by a certain system. Exactly right. Don't get us started. We'll go off on quite the tangent. But (laughs) that isn't about, that's not a powerful thing that's going to make you feel good. That's going to block you off from connection. Um, And you're always, it's a very powerless thing, right? Like you're not saying I'm powerful enough to when a woman like crosses a line or makes me feel uncomfortable to right away shut that down or move myself away or do whatever I need to do. You're saying I'm opting out because I feel so not powerful in this situation. Right. Which is actually like having zero boundaries. It, 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 it reads like you're having a, this super tough boundary about no women allowed, but it's actually that you have no boundaries. So you can't even engage. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So is there any judgment for this woman for putting this barrier up? No, I bet no. I bet she got really, really hurt. And so all the empathy for her and for every right. woman who's been in that situation. 
Um, but that is a barrier. You know, a boundary would be if she said something like, I have recently had just a bunch of bad experiences with women friends. And so now I am very particular with who I will, you know, like share my soul with or who I will get close to. And I have to make sure that they feel supportive of me or whatever. That is, that would be if she had a healthy boundary in place. Yeah. I'm like that about all of humanity. (laughs) They're not just women, but everybody. Same. (laughs) <laughs> so it's it's very much about power and I, I don't mean that like that gross power over people and I know it's a little after school especially to be like it's empowering I, I know but like it that is actually true if you are creating barriers or opting out of stuff you are doing it from a place of fear and not feeling powerful and the reason that that's troubling or the reason that you want to shift that is because you're not going to there's no focus on you feeling the way that you want to feel right you're just avoiding 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 exactly so you will just continue to feel badly right I would also like to, we touched on this a little bit. I would like to circle back to this empath part uh-huh. because there is a difference between empathy and people pleasing. Oh yes, there certainly is. <laughs> Empaths tend to fall victim to being people pleasers. I think more than somebody who's not as empathic. Right. But there is a difference Empathy is simply when you are sensitive to and care about experiences that aren't yours. So my easy example that I always give is if you have trouble watching the news, because when you watch a story of something bad that happened to someone, it feels like it's happening to you while you watch it. You have an extremely high level of empathy. And probably not great boundaries. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I have a barrier here, Jay. I don't, I try not to watch the news for this reason because I sit there and experience everything that is happening and it's very difficult. Right. So if, if you're, if you're doing, if you're like feeling other people's stuff, that's empathy. People pleasing is different though. People pleasing is walking around and just, shape-shifting into whatever you think the person near you wants you to be and act like. Right. And that's probably because you feel you can, you're an empath, you can feel what they're feeling. So then to save them from whatever you think that bad feeling is, you people please all over them to Mm -hmm. save them from that. But in the process, you're throwing yourself under the bus. Exactly. I think that the root of most all people pleasing is insecurity. Yes. Yes. That's, a, that's, that's hard to hear though. That's hard to hear. Like a, a former people pleaser still currently does enjoy some pleasing of people. Like <laughs> it's hard to hear that. Cause it, you want to be, you want to be nice. You want to be helpful, you know? Yeah. This is my, um, example that I give to all my empath friends. Mm -hmm. And I I say, if you were walking down the street and you saw somebody at the bottom of a deep, dark hole, if if you climbed into the deep, dark hole with them and Mm -hmm. felt badly about being in a deep, dark hole together, mm, that's, there's two people in the hole and I guess they have company, but no one's getting any better. (laughs) Right. And who are you helping? Nobody. Nobody. Right. 
If you stay outside of the hole and use your empathy to understand, and then you you throw a ladder down and you encourage them to keep climbing and, and say, oh, take a break now. You're at a point that's okay. And like throw a water bottle down. Like then they're going to get out of the hole and you've improved the situation, but they've had, they've had you rooting for them, right? Right. People pleasing just throws all of that and you it brings you into into the pit with people. It also sacrifices who you are. And I don't know about you, Jay, but when I think of it in reverse, like if I think of somebody people pleasing and just transforming into who they think I want them to be, I'm devastated by that. I don't want that. In fact, I, I detect that very quickly and I don't like it. So I... I want, I like, I want you and your energy. Like I, that's right. what I want around. Right. So when I think of it that way, I get it. When I think of it for myself, it's a lot harder. Right. Okay. But yeah. there is a, there is a big difference. There's a huge difference there. Yes. So the other part of this I want to touch on is that when you go to set boundaries or when you go to improve your boundaries, there's this thing that happens where our good friends, guilt and shame come in. Mm-hmm. This is like a alarm going off for you to let you know that you have some conditioning, right? From society right. telling you not to do this. Right. So I want you, when you, when you go to do this, when you go to have better boundaries with people, and we'll talk about how in a second, um, I want you to go, when you start to feel guilt or shame for setting a boundary or speaking up, I want you to just recognize it and go, oh, I have some old conditioning here that is causing this. Yes. And it's sort of that spiral staircase that we always talk about is that you'll probably always feel a little bit of that. I mean, I still to this day, if I'm drawing a hard boundary, feel some guilt about it. Mm -hmm. But it's the key is to be at a place where you know that that's conditioning a and B that working through that actually serves a a greater purpose. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And it improves your connection with other people. You have better connections to people when you have healthy boundaries with them and your connection to yourself. Oh, such a good point. Inside your own. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. That's how people develop chronic illness. That's how people develop all of these issues that they have is because they're forever living energetically outside of their body. They're forever throwing their energy at everybody else. And there's nothing to keep them going. Yeah, I've been there, done that. And I will tell you that it almost completely took me out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm still physically pulling myself out of that. I'm mentally and emotionally put my boundaries up and now I'm doing the work of healing my body, like the, the physical ramifications of having really bad boundaries. Yeah. I I still have issues with that too. It's very, very difficult. And I will, let me say this too. Knowing when someone's crossed a boundary is not difficult. (laughs) Speaking up and doing something about it is incredibly difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. To, right. If you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I don't, I don't even know when people are crossing my boundaries. Yes, you do, baby. You definitely do. You feel it in your whole entire being. You feel right. it physically, you feel it emotionally, you feel it in your energy field. Uh-huh. And it, to me, it, it really feels like 
this is a weird analogy. So maybe you'll be like, well, that's really bizarre, Heather. Or you'll be like, no, I relate to that. I feel it in my belly, but I also get this feeling where my head feels like a balloon that's detaching from the rest of my body. It's like my upper chakras are like, peace out. We're not doing this. Right. Because it feels unsafe. It feels terrible. Yeah. So I'm glad you understood. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about some examples of crossing a boundary and like the kinds of things that for you and I personally are boundary crossers. Okay. Okay. So let me just go back to my definition, if that's okay, of boundaries, which is limits you create to keep yourself in your desired state as much as possible. So your desired state, what I mean by that is the way that you want to feel like your baseline that you want to feel every day. Now, check your toxic positivity at the door right now in that you're not going to always feel fantastic. That's not real. That's impossible. It's impossible and it's unhealthy. Right. It's also not the point. Like if you listen to our, like the eclipse episode, the, if you're feeling great all the time, you're not growing, you're not learning. Yeah. And you're also lying. (laughs) True. That's true. You are a cyclical being. You are meant to cycle through emotions as well as everything else. So if you have a day where you feel angry or upset or frustrated or sad, that doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something wrong or that boundaries are being crossed. Uh, Lean into that. Move through it. Feel it through it and go to the other side. Absolutely. That's what I'm advocating for. What I mean by your desired state is like the baseline that you always want to return to. Like what's, what is that? Like, what does that look like for you? Now, I think picking some descriptive words to like help you figure out what that is, is great. But I don't also think that you need to be like, my my desired state includes these five emotions. I think you can, I think you can sort of maybe without words kind of know what that feels like. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know for me, like if I feel calm, sort of like in control and happy that I'm, I'm like in a good place. Like this is, this is the desired state that I would like to be in. I don't need to be like blissfully happy and I don't need to be like overly controlling everything, but I do, and I don't have to be like perfectly calm at every moment. But if, if that feels like my center, I know that my boundaries are feeling good. Agreed. Is that like, is that how you would sort of describe where you what your sort of baseline is. Yes. And I I would only add um, my brain sort of goes to how I don't want to feel, which would be, I think I would use the word I'd be looking for ease because I, I'm very aware of when there's resistance. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would add ease to that calm and that happiness. I like that. And I think that's a really excellent point that if you're trying to figure out what your desired state is, sometimes it's easier to go, what's the, what's not my desired state? Like what is the way that I don't want to feel? And what's the opposite of that? Sometimes that gives you greater clarity, I think. Yeah. Cause I have a couple flags where if I start to feel a couple ways, I instantly know that if I agree to whatever this thing is, or I'm about to do whatever this thing is that I know that it's, I'm crossing my own boundary. Yes. I'm, I'm curious how this is for you, but when a boundary is being crossed, I always physically feel it before I completely register it. Does that happen to you? Yeah, I feel it in my chest. Yeah, me too. Like my belly and my chest, I'll just start to feel this feeling. It'll start creeping in. 
Yep. And I, it's, it's like, I haven't even realized that a boundary is being, I don't even know if someone's fully crossed it yet. And my body like sends off this alarm. I almost want to, it's almost like that fight or flight kicks in and I want to like jump up and get the hell out of there. <laughs> right. Like my back, my spine straightens. Like I'm literally getting my back up about it. I to Like I'm bracing. Yes, exactly. Right. And I, I also notice that I start to hold my breath. Yes. Like that is the fight or flight response. Exactly right. So I think that that's common. I think that maybe your response is slightly different or more subtle, or maybe you think it first, or I, I think all of that would be normal, but I think it's pretty common to have a pretty big reaction to it and then try to calm yourself down to deal with it. I, I want to say that because I think people think they're overreacting Mm-hmm. But your body is designed to make sure that you're feeling good. So I think it makes sense. Your entire system was designed to get you through these situations and to give you cues at all times when there's perceived danger. And that's not just the woolly mammoth. That's also the crossing of a boundary. Exactly right. Exactly right. So I want to say that I always look first for a polite way to shift. So, and I should back that up a step. I always first say, is this me or is this the person I'm with? Right. Right. Is this something in my control? Has this person just said something that like triggered me and they didn't mean it? Or it's just me taking something where like, there's certain things people talk about innocently that trigger me and make me feel unsafe and not good for sure. Right. And I think that's an important distinction to make because it could be your own stuff that you need to just sort of take a pause and work through. Yes. And I will tell you the best thing to do when you're trying to sort that out is to create an exit strategy just for a second, like find, get up and go to the bathroom, say, Oh my gosh, I just need to make a quick phone call. I'll be right back. Like do something to buy yourself a second where you remove yourself from someone else's energetic right. field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's, yep. it's really hard as an empath to really tune in to your own stuff in that like really fast moment when there's someone else staring at you. That is difficult because you're going to sense their stuff too, right? Right. And, and as you work on this, you'll start to know what your own triggers are. So you'll be able to sort of quickly check in and be like, all right, this is my abandonment issue. Okay. You've, you've just triggered this without knowing it. So now I need to scale back my response. Exactly. Now, I will also say, even if somebody didn't mean to cross a boundary, even if it's a personal thing, you still have the right to speak up about that and to change that. Absolutely. Always. Always. Here's your permission slip. I used to feel like that wasn't true, Jay. I used to be like, oh, this is just my stuff. I need to just like knuckle through this conversation because this is my stuff. Hell no. You don't need to knock through any conversation. It is okay. I would want someone to tell me if I was speaking about something that was bothering them, I would want them to. And so I'm going to do the same. Agreed. So I ask myself, can I bring myself back? Can I, can I just go like, I don't think that I needed to be triggered by that. Or mm, let me just, I'm, I'm going to make a note of that weird thing that that person just said and see if it happens again or if it was a, a miscommunication. You know, I usually, I got to confess, I do that a few too many times. (laughs) Too many chances are given. Yeah. Like something common that happens to me is that people think 
it's okay to insult me because I appear like I have my act together. Do you experience that? <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And it makes, I've seen people do it all the time. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. And it happens. And then I'm like, they couldn't have meant that. And then it happens again. And I'm like, well, they couldn't have meant that again. And then it'll happen again. And I'll say, and like, I give, I, I just really don't want it to be true. You know, especially if there's this issue and it's, I don't think it's just women to women. I think it's just when a woman is successful at something or does something well, and it's brought up and she mm-hmm. dares to talk about it there's going to be some strange insults. It's like a weird thing. Anyways, I let that go on way too long. Confession. Right. Because it's a backhanded compliment. People think that you can handle whatever they're saying and not realizing that they're crossing your boundaries. Oh yeah. I get that all the time. I know you can handle this. So I'm going to tell you, tell tell it to you. And I'm always like, Oh oh, shoot. This is not going to be be a sentence I want to hear. Exactly. Never ends well. And then again, the next thing that I do when I feel that is just ask myself if I can excuse myself for a second to just walk away and take a breath and recalibrate and see how I want to manage this. Um, How about you? What's your, what are your initial responses? I'm, well, my, my hackles go up. So I know, and I will say that (laughs) very defensive response. Um, I think that might just be my wiring or my conditioning to the way I, I lived my life um, for the first formative years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always very aware of how I'm feeling. And like I said earlier, sort of those bad feelings, I notice right off the bat. I do bring myself down a level. If I start to feel angry or resentful, those are big triggers for me that, or it's a big red flag for me mm-hmm. that one of my boundaries is being crossed. Mm-hmm. So then I'm already sort of f- formulating in my head what the answer is but I'm also trying to still manage the conversation. Yes. So it, it's sort of like a, it's like a creating of space in a way is, is how yes. I think of it. what you're describing is like everything's still going on in real time, but somehow you slow time down in your brain. I know you love when I talk about time. So yes. uh, right. And you're like, mm, let me, let me pause and create some space here before I have too much of an outside reaction. Right. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll ask about details. If it's someone asking something of me or if someone's telling me something, mm-hmm. I'll ask about details and then I'm sort of getting a better gauge. Okay. Do I feel defensive of this or resentful of this for good reason mm-hmm. now that I'm getting more information or, or do I need to really put this boundary up right now? I think that's, I think that's a really excellent description of it and a very smart way to handle it because I've had moments where I maybe should have bought myself that moment or should have thought that and just reacted really quickly. I think it right. also depends on the day and maybe where you are in your cycle, to be honest. But Right. Well, that's, right. Sort of also the, that's sort of the wonders of technology is that a lot of this stuff happens via phone now where you don't have to immediately respond. I've trained myself to don't immediately start typing back. Yeah. Take a breather. What's really happening here? What are you really feeling here? I have to do that on social media when people post. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, Jamie, do you know what goes really well with listening to a podcast? A great cup of coffee. 
Yep. And if you're local to South Shore, Massachusetts, you've got to check out Restoration Coffee. They're a specialty coffee shop that's been voted best coffee on the South Shore numerous times. And they offer more than just a great cup of coffee. They have specialty lattes, breakfast and lunch options, a cool vibe, and a really friendly staff. And if you're local or not, you can also order their beans, which are roasted in-house, by the way, and have them shipped anywhere. Yes. I'm going to go grab myself an Americano. No, grab me a Rachel with oat milk. That's my favorite latte. All right. You got it. And you know what, Jay? The owner is also really hot. Um, you should know you're married to him. <laughs> All right. Visit restoration-coffee.com. That's restoration-coffee.com. And tell them that the intuitive girl sent you. So I want to bring up um, a boundary that I have recently tried to be better with. And it I find it really, really hard and awkward. So I want to see what you think about it. My boundary is when people gossip about other people. Oh, yes, I got you. So my asterisk to that is that there's a big difference between venting. I'm here for that. I will hold all the space. I will listen to you vent. Um, and then there's a other thing about gossiping. And I mean it in the gross patriarchal way, gossiping. Um, you can listen to our witchy terms episode to understand that. Original <laughs> right. <of> that <laughs> right. But when people are like viciously making fun of another person, it's usually a woman for something. Just shit talking. Total shit talking. And like, I don't mean like the normal, like every once in a while you do like an eye roll to someone's post on social media. So I don't, I don't mean that. I mean like the actual, I don't really even know you that well person and you are tearing this person a new one. And it, for so long, I just tried to, I used to like politely try to like, give a fake laugh about it or like just get it over with because <laughs> yes. I didn't want to hurt the people's feelings. And I felt like I want to be someone that you can say what you need to, to, but it, it got to the point with a certain person that was in my life and that was in your life too, who isn't anymore that they would do it so often that I, I didn't, it, it just crossed this big line and I had to create it just across the board in my life. And it's really hard. Well, I think that you and I have discussed this before is that women are taught by this society to find solidarity and tearing down other women. Exactly. So women are taught to bond with other women by shit talking other women. Mm-hmm. So, and it becomes energetically very disgusting, but it's also a place that a lot of people don't even know how to get out of. They don't know how to extract themselves from that. Yeah. And it, it becomes a thing that when you speak up about it, people mm-hmm. give you this look as if like you're a narc or something. <laughs> right. Or like you're, like you're a snob or, or, yeah, or, that, or that I'm being judgmental to them for gossiping. And I don't, I don't think that I am, to be honest. No. I just don't, it just doesn't feel okay to me for that. Um, and even this sounds weird, but like the other day someone was doing this about a celebrity to me and that even didn't feel okay. Like it was gross. It was really gross and unfair. It was a woman actress that they were saying all these terrible things about. And it was clearly like a projection thing. Like I I read between lines. I understand it, but I was just like, I don't want to be a part of this. (laughs) Like there's nothing good that comes from that. Like that's the thing is that if, 
it's there's nothing good that comes from that the energy that that person's putting out and that you're absorbing or if you then get caught up in it and you're putting that type of energy out it's all yuck it's all yuck it is it totally is so i've tried a bunch of tactics to get out of it and i will tell you a couple that don't work <laughs> okay the first is like just being quiet and politely laughing and hoping it'll be over with does not work no and you're also sort of passively accepting it. Right, you're kind of reinforcing it. By right. It. Yeah. The second is by defending the person that they're gossiping about. Does not work either. No, generally they, not. They get worse a lot of the times. Right. Because right. <laughs> it's looked at like, oh, let's debate this. Right. And, it, and an argument generally ensues. Yeah. So I do a couple of things depending on who it is. Um, because most of the time when this happens, it's people that I don't know that well. <laughs> but um, what I will say is something along the lines of like, yeah, you know, life's tough. We don't know each other's experiences. I think we're all just doing the best we can. And that usually kind of shuts somebody down without being too icky, I think. Right. Because you're being sympathetic or empathetic to that person. And so you can't really be mad at someone who's trying to be kind. You can you, no one's going to argue with you about it. Let's say yeah. that. You don't mad. Be mad. Mad. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's usually the best one. And, and the other one is just changing the subject. Just that's usually what I do. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm pretty good at that. So that's typically what I do. But um, I also want to say that when you're, someone's crossing a boundary of any kind, you don't have to be rude to change it. Like in my brain, Telling someone they're crossing a boundary, like, it sounds like I have to be mean. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? Yes. One of well, my... Like, that's what women are taught when they, they're taught that when they're saying no, they're being mean, or when they're even saying no, thank you, or I'll pass, or anything like that. We're taught that that's mean. Yeah. And I've gone on the rant before that the feminist character in any movie or TV show is always this, like, really like angry, um, not superior. like superior. They all have the same look. Do you know what I mean? Harsh. Like, Harsh. Um, yeah, they, they look shut down a boundary, but be mean about it, like, or speak yep. up. And and this, I think also the same goes for when we see a strong woman, she's always very cold, you know, she's yep. always, she's successful, but at what cost kind of a thing. So I don't think we see a lot of examples of this is my point. Right. She has no love in her life. Like she has success and she's in charge, but she's loveless. Exactly. Like those are the, that's what we see. So it feels like that's what's going to happen if you, if you speak up or that you have to speak up in a very cold way. And that's just not the case. You know, one of my favorite phrases is that doesn't work for me, but here's what does. Exactly. We're never taught that we can give options or that we or that we it's either yes or no how patriarchal of that of the right that's like you're either saying yes at your own demise and your own peril yeah or you're saying no I can't do that and you're the villain exactly how wonderful to actually be like no I I can't do that but how about this like there are there are options there is a middle ground Exactly. And you know, in all of the times I say that phrase or something like it in all of the situations you put it in, I would say 
I'm making up this percentage because I haven't calculated it, but I would say like 95% of the time, whatever my counter offer is, is accepted happily. Right. Exactly. So it's, yeah. And it's okay to say that you don't have to be like, hell no. And like stand up and yell, like you can be like, right. Like you can, you can be like powerful and calm and say, that doesn't work for me you know, or I don't, that actually, I don't like the way that that makes me feel, or you just said that it made me feel kind of upset. Like, can we talk about this? That's, those aren't fighting words. No. And if someone's taking them as fighting words, then it's not an indicator that you're a bad person or you've screwed up. It's an indicator that the person you're interacting with isn't looking out for your best interests and that it, and that 5,000% more, you should be holding that boundary. It just reinforces that you need that boundary. Exactly. And that's the perfect segue into when I'm having boundaries with people and like, I'm trying to figure out who to give the most of my energy to and to be closest to, I ask myself this very magical question and it sounds very simple. I know, but it will tell you everything you need to know and it will reframe everything for you. Are you ready for it? Yes. How much significance does this person place on my emotional well being? Oh my God. That is so good. Wow. Right? Yes. Because yes. You, you can so easily detect that. And in fact, as you're thinking about that right now, you're thinking about a few people close to you that do not place a lot of significance on that. And it it stings. I get it. I get it. Well, it stings because that's that sort of resentment that I was saying that I feel is because you know that person isn't going to reciprocate to you. So when they're wanting something from you and you feel like you're giving to them, you know there's no reciprocity. It's not coming back generally. Exactly. So when I'm meeting somebody new, I, or just in a group or, or wherever, I'm looking around to see different signs of how much significance they're placing on my emotional well-being. Now, I have to say, if this is a, also a very easy way to pick out in like an empath or an intuitive person in the group, because most of the time, they are the ones that are placing a large amount on it, right? Like, I'll even give you an example of why I'm picked out as this person all the time. And this is so silly. This this borders on people pleasing. You can, you can tell me which category it's (laughs) when I'm somewhere and somebody is speaking, if it's in a group, it's there's a hundred people, there's a thousand people, there's two people. If I feel like the person who's speaking has like really good intentions and like has good energy, I will give good face the entire time. I will nod. I will like, as if I'm an actress, I will respond in the way that I think they want to. And then it becomes exhausting because they spot me in the crowd and stare at me. Right. And then I feel like I have to continue to it. And like my face is tired at the end because I have been performing with it the entire time. That's not people pleasing. That's being supportive. That's, that's like energetically supporting someone when you know that, they might need a little boost or they, or when they see you, that happens to me all the time. I'm always the person that's tracked in an audience and eye contact is made. Yes. So quick and easy way to see like that person who doesn't even know you, but likes your energy 
is putting effort into your emotional well-being as you're putting yourself out there and speaking. Right. Exactly. That's, <laughs> no. a great, that's a great read. Uh, before you think I'm too good of a person, I will tell you that if I don't feel like the person has good intentions and is, then I, I go dead in the face. In fact, there was a situation that Jamie and I were in one time. Yeah, you died. You, you literally died in the conversation and I had to bring you back. We were, whatever, we were in a situation where we were basically having a presentation given to just the two of us. It was connected to the podcast. Uh, we did end up doing it. Um, but the person speaking to us was really just wanted to talk about themselves the entire time, was inconsiderate, said one thing that I felt was disrespectful to you, and then I could not continue. So I stopped even making eye contact. I didn't do any facial expressions. I didn't even make noises or say yes to the point that Jamie at the afterwards like yelled at me. Like I had to carry all of the responses. <laughs> this is actually a great example though, Heather, because that person that we're talking about was very energetically needy. Yeah. That person needed our attention, but they needed so much from us that they had to have our facial expressions. They had to have our body language. And that's actually a really good example of where you have to create a boundary because someone like that will take every single ounce of energy that they can from you. And this person had no idea that they were doing that. None. No. They had no idea that they were doing that. The intention was not bad. No, and happens with needy things like that is there's no respect or care for the other people's time and energy, and that that just gets me. I can't, I can't with that. I there was nothing coming back to us, and you sensed that, so you ended it. So that's that's actually where you need a boundary is to say, listen, I can't give you all of this, and then you give absolutely nothing to me. So you're just gonna get fifty percent from me. Yeah. Especially if you Jamie or do so. I mean, you were insulted by what he said, but I was insulted for you. So forget it. I'm hundred percent out. You get no happy faces from me. If you say something that I feel is disrespectful to Jamie and right. But he also didn't, he, I just gave his gender away. He also didn't give, he didn't get a hundred percent of my energy. I I did have to carry us after you. But I wasn't giving a hundred percent of my energy. At some point I was like, all right, this, this is not going well. Yeah. So I made a very clear decision in my head that this is what he gets from me right now. I'll do this till the end of the meeting and then it's done. But I didn't leave there feeling drained or disrespected or anything like that because I knew that he was not capable of reciprocating to me. Right. Exactly right. So I think the that shows an example that I put a barrier up really quick and handed you all of the responsibility of having a boundary. <laughs> right. Right. But it's about balance. Exactly. But yeah. I do think we should talk about like how I just said that it, it was dra- it wasn't draining to me. Yes. I think that that's a really good red flag. If you're dealing with someone and you are leaving there feeling drained and exhausted or mad or resentful, you need to check in with yourself after you're engaging with people and feeling that way, because 
That's your body trying to communicate with you. And it's not even trying to say, hey, that person's a bad guy. Your body's trying to say, you gave too much. You need to, you need to rein it back in right now. Absolutely. I have two kinds of tired that I experience after being yeah. other humans. One is just like, uh, I'm just like happily tired, if that makes sense, like good tired. And the other is that I'm drained and they're very, very different. Right. And paying attention to that is key because honestly, there are times when I'm with people who I like, I'm enjoying it in the moment. But when they leave or later, I've realized that I don't feel so good. And I'm like running scenarios back. And it's like, oh, you can you can find out that someone was crossing a boundary like later. Right. That's important to notice. Right. And if you can gauge something, if you can do sort of a diagnostic assessment when you start interacting with someone. And I know that sounds like this big procedure, but you can literally do that in two seconds. Mm-hmm. Just take a little bit of an energetic read. What What is this feeling like right now? What type of boundary do I need to put up energetically right now? You're going to save yourself so much energy and fatigue and maybe even emotional upset after the fact. Yeah. Because don't you feel like sometimes you don't notice that when you're in like real time and being present with people that you're trying too hard. Like, do you know what I mean by that? I don't mean that like you're, you're like being too much. Um, but more like you're, you're really focused on keeping yourself feeling okay. Like you're, you're heightened doing it and like watching everything you say. Sometimes I don't really realize I'm doing that until after. And I'm like, Whoa, what what was that? Exhausted. You're exhausted. And I'll also say that doesn't necessarily mean you should never put yourself in those situations or around those people. It just right. means that you should like take a look at it. So just a quick example, when I do like workshops or, or speaking, I would do workshops that were like two, two days long, right? So one full day, go to sleep and then one more full day and I would be leading it. And I obviously, I also have to like energetically manage the room constantly. I, I haven't learned how not to do that yet. Um, so I'm doing that. And like at the end of the first day going into the second and at the end of the second day, I feel drained. I have a headache. I can't sort people. I'm, I'm done. And it's not because that experience isn't necessarily healthy for me. It's just that I have a limit to how much I can, I can do that. Does that make sense? It's just a heavy workload. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that every weekend or every month. I'm going to spread that out because I know there's not it makes me feel good and I love to do it, but it's so draining. So I have to keep a boundary around how often I allow myself to do that. That would be like someone who goes on a daily run and they use their energy and they use their intuition daily. It's a part of their life and who they are. But when you go and do that, that's a marathon. People don't run marathons every single day, right? So, and it's not bad to expel that much energy and to use that much energy and intuition. It's just, you have to be aware of what you're giving out and what the refueling is going to be required. Yeah. And you know, it makes me, it makes me think about this and I'm not sure we've said this on the podcast before, but the difference between being an introvert and an extrovert is important to notice here for yourself. So there's, there's this weird I don't know. I don't know why people think this wrong. I'm not sure the origin, <clears throat> but there's this idea that introverts are shy and like don't like to be around people. And that's 
not actually true and or that like extroverts are super outgoing and want to be the center of attention wrong sometimes it's true but that's not what that means an introvert is somebody who when they're around other people their their batteries drain and when they're alone they recharge right when you're an extrovert when you're alone your battery drains and when you're around other people you recharge so i am an introvert but I am not shy <laughs> and I love being around people, but I know I have a limit and I know I need to go and recharge. So also paying attention to that to help yourself create boundaries kind of in advance, knowing like, like I know this weekend, for instance, for like for some reason, it's that weekend that always happens in the summer where everybody's having a get together and I have to be in a million places. Right. I know to protect the amount of time I stay at each place because I need to have enough energy to go to the next one and I need to be friendly, right? Like knowing that about yourself is incredibly helpful for sort of like presetting boundaries. Well, and that's what I mean in my definition about the energy that you're putting out. You, that is holding really solid, really healthy boundaries. I have to go to four places. I'm only going to stay for X amount of time. This is what it's going to look like for me. That boundary has nothing to do actually with anyone else. And it has nothing to do with being mean or saying no or declining something. It's literally just managing how much energy you're taking from yourself and putting out into the world. And that's just as much of a boundary as saying, stop doing that. I don't like that. Exactly. Right? Exactly. But most people wouldn't call that a boundary. Most people wouldn't say that that's a boundary because it's internal. Right. And it, it so is. That's a fantastic yeah. point. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, I thought I would talk about um, my method for the people in my life, my, my boundary levels. What do you think? You must. I was just going to say you have to tell the people about the levels. You have to. Okay. So and also I want to say that everyone share this Heather charges people lots of money to teach them this. <laughs> and you're all getting it for free because we love you on the IGG. So share this episode. That's how you can, that's how you can exchange energy with us here. Exactly. I love, I love that little thing that you were like, you know what, let's keep this energy balanced. Cause we're going to have some healthy boundaries. You were about really helpful knowledge. So yeah, I love that. Okay. Thank you for help holding a boundary for me. <laughs> yes, because you're giving out really, this is, I'm going to say what you're about to tell people literally changed my life. It literally changed my life. And it's where the entire foundation of my work and my creating actual applicable solid boundaries in my life started with this technique that you're about to teach people. So you're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. Here's also how you know if you have a really good friend they will protect your boundaries and you too, because they place that much significance on your emotional well-being that you didn't even have to do it. They were like, hi, I'm here and I'm going to do this because I know that she's not going to do it. That's a friend in case you're it's wondering. It's a very Jamie thing to do. Just it insert is. yourself. <laughs> it's perfect. It, I, I need that all the time. Okay. So here's, here's what I do. I have five levels that the people in my life, I put them in. And I want to be clear that this is not a ranking system as to how fantastic of a human they are. (laughs) No, it's not a popularity contest. It's not like best and worst. No. And nobody in my life knows 
which level they're in. I mean, as you know, Jamie and like Matt knows and my mother, cause they're all level. Ones. But other than that, like it never comes up. It's not like I like mailed out right. thing like, Hey, I've put you in level three boundary, like go deal with it. It's just for me. And it's just to help me protect how much of my energy I give out. Right. And how I, how I decide what level people are on or in is by the question I told you, how much significance does this person place on my emotional well-being? Yeah. And I look at all of the people who are in my life who, for whatever reason, whether you like them or not, they're in your life, and I place them on a boundary level. So I'm going to explain the levels to you, and then I'm going to explain why it's so necessary for em- empaths to do this, because I bet we all make the same mistake. Right. We definitely do. So level ones are my closest people. There's a very small, there's a handful of human beings that are level one boundary for me. And these are the people who place extremely highly significance, extreme high significance on my emotional well-being. would go out of their way to help me be in a good state and will feel upset themselves if I'm not. That is a very small amount of people and it should be a very small amount of people. Yeah. You don't want everyone in your life to be at a one because then you're, you're having to give back to them. Exactly. Because here's the thing, the people that are on that level, I give the same to them. Their emotional well-being feels the same to me. Like I will invest all of that. I will drop anything for those people at any time. Okay. Right. And if you're hearing this and you're thinking in your head, like, well, I want to be that for everybody and I want to give everybody a hundred percent, then that's where you've crossed the line into the people pleasing. And I get it. I've been there. I live my life there for so long. There's no judgment, but take a couple steps back and realize that it's not healthy to be everyone's everything. Yeah. And I'll take that a step further and tell you that if you have too many people that you give at that level to, then you're actually not giving enough to the people who are really there for you. Right. Agreed. There's only so much of you to go around. And I want to take those few people in that level and give them as much of myself as I can, my time, my energy, my love, because I, it's, there's a limited amount. (laughs) Right. Right. So so you have to protect that. Um, Level two is where most of the people who you are close to are going to exist. All right. So this means they have a very, they place a lot of significance on your emotional well-being. This is most of your friends, probably most of your family, um, if you're lucky, I guess. Um, But this is where people who you feel good when you're around them and they feel good when they're around you, that's where most of your people are. Okay. Right. Level three is the neutral level. And here's why this level is so important. When you first meet somebody, you put them as a level three, meaning you're still deciding how much of yourself you give to that person. Right. They don't start at the five. They, they start at the three. Yes. So right. for me, when I meet new people, I put them all right at level one. Right. Oh, a new person. They'll probably be my best friend in the whole entire world. And I'll, I'll do whatever they need me to do forever and ever. And I'll give everything of myself to this person that I have just met. That's how my brain works. So I have to override because if there's no system in place, number one, I'll give it all. And then I'll be incredibly disappointed and devastated when they can't reciprocate even close to the amount of care I'm giving. It's a recipe for disappointment to throw everyone (laughs) It really is. So I put them at level three and then I'm not hurt. 
Like I just, it's more like I'm, I'm just observing like what, how much care do you place? Right. Like how did you check on me? Like, did you ask me about me at all in a conversation or was it all me giving to you? Like, I'm just noticing it. I'm not judging. I'm just paying attention. Exactly. Also, I'll, I'll take this moment to say people are going to move through these levels. They're not always going to like stay at one level. Unfortunately, they're going to drop down and then hopefully some people are going to come up like that's going to happen. So when someone's on the move, like someone's behavior is changing level three for observation. Right. And again, they don't know that. No people, the majority of people have, they don't even notice when what you're giving out to them changes. Like I've had people who've gone from one to two or two to three and and that and that dictates dictates what I'm giving out to them. Mm-hmm. They don't even know. Isn't that so telling when they don't notice? And, that, and, that, and exactly, and that's what I was going to say is that that is then confirmation for me that that's why I bumped you down. <laughs> exactly right. You you know what I mean? Like that sounds harsh, but like no, you you just confirm for me that I made the right call. Exactly right. Exactly right. Because you'd rather give more of that energy to the people giving it to you than to the people who can't reciprocate. And listen, it doesn't need to be 50-50. It doesn't need to be like the exact amount of of energy I give to you is what you give to me. That's not how it works. It really, you'd really just want to look at like how important is my emotional well-being to this person. And if the answer to that is like, I didn't text them for two weeks and they never texted me to see if I was okay it just means that they don't have as much to give on that. Yeah. And it might not be because they suck. It might just be, they have stuff going on. Like that's okay. It's just stuff that you're observing and noting. Right. Yeah. All right. Level fours are the people that have to be in your life, but that clearly do not place significance on your emotional well being, And most likely um, want it to want you to not be good. Right. And I bet you're thinking of two or three people in your head right now who are fours. I am. (laughs) Me too. So just think of the people that maybe like you work with them or they're related to you somehow, like that you have to see, like they have to be in your life. Being a level four means you're only giving when you have to, to these people. You're only interacting when you need to, and you are not sharing much of yourself. You're just being polite, getting through the conversation or the day or whatever it may be. And you're you're giving yourself permission to avoid connection with that person when possible. Right. It's just the basics. And then once it's over, it's over. Yeah. And I got to say it, having these levels also helps you not feel hurt all the time because I know for me, like there's a a certain couple of people in my life that are level fours that I didn't have them in a level four. And I kept hoping that they would be nice to me (laughs) or that they would treat me different or stop, stop doing those things that were hurting me so much. And so every time I was interacting with them, I was like hoping and praying for it. And then boom, disappointed. Like, that's such a sucky feeling. But if you go in knowing like this is where this person is and they just get this minimum like level politeness from me and I interact only when I when I feel like I have to and I have permission not to, that's a very different experience. The expectations are so drastically shifted that it redu- reduces the amount of hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly right. 
And then there's good old level five. <laughs> These are the people that get zero of your energy and time and that you have completely cut off and you will not ever be around because they seek to put you into a negative emotional state. That's what they want all the time. And so you have the ability to cut them out or you have to create it. Exactly. I have a few people there. I have a few people there. Yeah, it's it's tough. I always think about it like, oh, I wish that wasn't the case. But I also am happier not having to interact with them. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't suck having people like that in your life. It doesn't mean like, oh, you created this system and now you're happy that so-and-so is a five. It still is like, oh, that sucks. Uh, It sucks that this is like this. It sucks that I have to deal with you and it sucks that we can't be whatever Mm -hmm. we should be. But it, it takes all of the energetic drain out of it because that's just what it is. Yeah. I, before I would have people in that level and before I did this, I would spend so much time thinking about it. Like, do you know what I mean? You just like do it over and over and you run imaginary scenarios all the time. And like, it's so exhausting. And putting them in a level five kind of frees that up for you. Well, and I, and to that point, what I love about this system is that for the people who are people pleasers, which was is me. I'm mostly a reformed people pleaser. Um, we're in recovery. People pleasers. Are yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's it really gave me permission to let go. Mm-hmm. So it it's almost like like you're saying you don't have to be hurt by people's behaviors so much, but also it really felt very freeing to me that when I put someone in a four or I bumped them down to from wherever to wherever, it really freed me from those expectations I put on myself of, I have to do that for them. I have to call them and check on them. I have to go to this. I have to show up for that. It's like something clicks when you do this categorizing that in your head, it becomes like, oh, I don't have to do that. There are four. Or, oh, there are three. Oh, I don't have to do that. And it literally this weight comes off your energetic field. Like, oh, I don't have to do that. And you you get this moment of feeling very free. Yeah, there's so much mental space that gets taken right. up. In, and it feels very emotional when you're doing it too, of being like, oh, do I do this or do I not? Or uh, uh, how do I? Yeah, Like, that's exhausting. And a lot of it isn't even them. A lot of it were these expectations I put on myself. Like, yes. I should doing this. I should make this relationship better. I should show up in this way. Yes. And they're, they're, they're ignorant. They have no idea that exactly. I'm running all this through my brain so yeah. that when I categorize them and I free myself of it, I'm serving myself. I'm freeing myself. Oh, I love that. You are freeing yourself. That is exactly oh. what you're doing. Yeah. Really? And there are some people that you have to deal with. Yes. Right. But when you are able to be like, this person's a four, it just allows you the ability to be like, I'm just going to sit through this experience. I'm going to do this thing that has to be done and then walk away from it. It doesn't have to take up all of this mental space. Like you said, having these fake arguments in your head because you don't give that much energy to a four. They don't. Oh, oh, let me check my list. 
oh, they don't get that much from me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. And when you feel that guilt and shame about not doing something or saying no, and you remind yourself, this person doesn't place any significance on my emotional well-being. It really helps. I can't, I don't think I can right. even describe how much it does. It's like, oh yeah. I want, I want people to do it. I want them to try it. it. I mean, it's helpful when you're starting to do it literally on paper or like in on your phone somewhere, but now I have it in my head. Same. Um, I, I want people that are listening to try it and let us know how it feels because it actually makes a huge difference. Agreed. All right. I have an example of if you're asked to do something, how I would respond to somebody in each of my levels. Ooh, let's hear it. Okay. So my example is somebody says to you, Hey, can you help me move this weekend? Oh yeah. Yeah. See, that's the response that you always get when you think of that. So that's why I picked that. Okay. It's the thing that no one really wants to help anyone with. No. I don't care how pizza you're going to give me. Exactly. Hire movers. Why? Don't. No. Okay. So if you're a number one and you ask me to help you move the, this weekend, I'm going to say yes. 100%. I'll clear my schedule. I'll be there. We're moving. I'll probably tell you that you should hire movers, but I'll show up and I'll smile and I'll do whatever you need me to do. Agreed. I will wrap all of your dishes in paper if you need me to. (laughs) Whatever. Okay. Exactly. Okay. If you're a number two and you say, can you help me move this weekend? I'm going to say, yes, I can. I can actually help you on this day between these hours. Yes. Exactly. So maybe it's, I can come on Saturday morning from about nine till noon and I can help there. I have that window. That's what I'm, that's what, that's what I'm giving you. Yeah. I would give you my free times. Yes, exactly. If you're a level three, so you're neutral, I would say I can't, but you know what? I am going to be going by around certain times. So I think I'll, I'll stop by. I'll bring coffee. Like I'll call, I'll text to get your order and I'll drop off coffee for everybody moving. Right. Exactly. That's for a number three. Yeah, people are going to ask me to help them move now to see where what level they're. <laughs> okay, if you're a level four and you ask me to help you move, no, I cannot. I'm sorry. Yes, no, I'm sorry. I'm busy. Sometimes, depending on who it is, I will send them a card congratulating them on their new place. Awesome. Okay. The answer is no. I cannot help you move. Okay. Right. If you're a number five. First of all, why have you contacted me? Because <laughs> I've probably blocked you everywhere. And it's definitely no. And don't contact me again. Yeah, and forget my forget that I exist. Exactly right. That's how I that's how I do it, baby. Right. You want to know that this brought up for me? What? And this I think is people pleasing and having bad boundaries, is that I'm still currently working on having to always have an excuse. Yeah. No. Yes. Right? Like I would like before I would have made up some excuse and then I was like, Jamie, you're lying. Why are you lying? Like just say you can't. And that's, that should be good for anyone that cares about you. That should be good enough. Exactly. Right. And getting good at saying no with a yes is such a skill to be like, I can't do that, but let me see what I can do. Or I have a rule. If somebody asks me to do something for them, I will say, oh, I would love to do that. Let me just check my schedule and I'll get back to you later today, especially right. in person so that I can go wait 
do I actually want to do this? What level is this person? Like, because in the, in the moment, I'll probably just say yes. Well, and that's why you need the, the moment to check because I forever was the one who just said yes, right off the bat. And then I'd be instantly resentful and mad exactly. at myself. At myself. <laughs> First, I used to be mad at them. And then I was like, no, Jamie, this was on you. You said yes when you didn't want to. And that's a bad boundary. It is. It is. And you know, you also have to be careful not to over overly give excuses because that's such right. an obvious indicator that you're lying. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, when right. you're like, I don't have an excuse, I could just say no. Um, very, very true. I'll usually just say, Oh, I can't, I'm busy. Um, right. no, that's probably where you should end it. Because if you start going like, oh, I can't, I have to do this, and then I got to do that, and then I got to go over here, and then I got to do this, that sounds like a lie. Exactly. And that's why all these memes now are saying that, like, no is a full sentence. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Just no. Sorry, I can't. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't. Here's what I can do. Or if you're a four or five, just no. (laughs) Right. I love it. Um. Using when you are setting boundaries with people, and this is more if somebody is um, saying something that's making you uncomfortable or hurting your feelings or whatever, um, using emotional identifier language is the way to handle that. So I want to explain what I mean by that. Okay. So if somebody says something to you that hurts your feelings or that you don't like or is speaking to you in a way that's not okay, mm-hmm. identify how it's making you feel to them. Okay. So let's say somebody's yelling at you because you, I don't know. I don't know what you did, but let's just say somebody's yelling at you. Okay. They're mad at you yelling at you. If you say, Hey, yelling at me like you are is making me feel unsafe. Right. Could you take a step back and we could calmly discuss this. You are using, you are naming how something is making you feel for that person to continue they have to look like the biggest asshole in the world. <laughs> right. The biggest gaslighter. They have just completely disregarded that. And it doesn't have to be somebody yelling at you. Let's say you're having a conversation and someone is saying something to you and you're like, you know what? When you say that, it makes me feel really upset or it really hurts my feelings or it makes me feel uncomfortable or frustrated or sad. Right. or makes me feel like you're not, you know, you're not hearing me or whatever. That is something that is really hard for someone to continue the behavior doing when you say it. And exactly. And if they continue, then you know that that's a ginormous red flag that you're not dealing with someone that cares at all about your well-being and your safety. Exactly. And there's a big difference. If I said to you, if you were being mean to me, I can't imagine, but let's say you were. And I said to you, um, you are using a very terrible tone. (laughs) Or I said to you, when you use that tone, it makes me feel upset. That's a very different thing. I would have very different responses to those two statements. Exactly. Exactly. You would. So it's don't give it to the person. Don't blame them or don't say it's them say, this is how I feel because they, you, they can't like defend that. (laughs) That would stop me in my tracks. If someone said that you're making me feel uncomfortable or you're making me feel whatever, I would freeze in my, in what I was saying. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Even if they were in the wrong, you would probably feel. Yeah, no, I would, I would use that as an opportunity to reframe what I was saying. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So 
pro tip, emotional identifier language, like say how something is making you feel. Even if it's some, someone saying something with good intentions, right? Yeah. And I, and I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer here, but there are, there are people, a lot of people in this world that you're going to use emotional identifiers and it's going to set them off mm-hmm. and, and it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be a fun conversation. It's probably not going to end well, but you need to know exactly who those people are. And then you need to immediately put them into four or five stage. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I've been in quite a few situations where there's been an altercation. And mm-hmm. it was either mine or I decided to step in and help somebody else in there because I can't help myself. Right. <laughs> I will say that me, this is something my father taught me. Be the calm one. If right. someone else is yelling or having a breakdown or freaking out or whatever at you and you are calmly saying, please stop doing that. It's making me feel like this. Please, then. Yeah you are the one who's powerful and in control is an out of control reaction to be yelling, right. Or to be whatever, like that is someone who is completely emotionally out of control. So even if I feel like I want to join them in yelling, or I want to make them feel as bad as they're making me feel, I hold, I take a breath and I hold that and I keep myself calm so that I'm the one who's powerful. And it really, the the person who's like yelling or out of control, they really struggle to maintain that when the person that they're doing that with is calm. Exactly. Such good advice. Pro tip. Love it. I just want to end by saying something that's a hard pill to swallow. (laughs) Okay, let's hear it. People in your life who you love and who love you are going to struggle to adjust to you setting boundaries because it means you're becoming more powerful and it's going to be hard for them. Right. And a lot of people aren't going to get from you what they are very used to getting from you, which is probably everything. Yeah. When you adjust your boundaries, when you become more powerful, when you become more successful, when you, anytime you're going in that direction of up, people are going to struggle with it because it triggers things in them. Exactly. Nothing to do with you. Oh, people, when you're feeling insecure, you're always wondering what your status is with people, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're going to look at someone and compare yourself all the time. And so Mm -hmm. if someone is doing that to you, they're comparing themselves to you and you suddenly set better, healthier boundaries and become more powerful. You're not going to adjust to that. Well, Nope. nope, but Every person that has that reaction, there's going to be three or four in your life that use you as a model for what they want to be. And you're going to become sort of the, the lighthouse for them that of like, oh, that's how I want to deal with people. That's how I want to manage my energy. Exactly right. And I will also say, give people a little bit of grace, like right. give them a hot minute to adjust it protect yourself have a healthy boundary still of course but just know you're going to rock people a little bit and if they come back and they do show that they care about your emotional well-being even if they're going through their own stuff you should absolutely take that into consideration like people are going to have their reaction even people who love you so unconditionally and want you to do well are most likely going to be somehow triggered by you changing and becoming more powerful. So a little bit of, I'm going to say reasonable grace. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't let it go on for too long, but like they get an adjustment period also. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So work on your boundaries. 
without judging yourself because you weren't taught not to have them. <laughs> yeah, you were. It, it, it pleases the world for you to not have boundaries. It makes it easier on the world for you to have no boundaries. Yeah. And when someone is expressing a boundary to you, hold space, listen, like try to try to understand it the best you can. I will say, I don't think most people are incredibly good at expressing a boundary. Nope. So sometimes you have to sort of like get through the weeds to figure out what they're trying to say. Um, And, but, but do that, you know, don't just demand boundaries, you know, from other people offer them and, and try to show up for people the best that you can. Right. Absolutely. All right. Boundaries are hard, but they are the foundation of any sort of improvement that you want to make on your life or in this world. If you want to make improvements in this world, you have to have boundaries. You have to be able to say, no, I don't like that. Or I need this from you. And to add to that, any person that you see that you think is powerful for whatever reason, they, mm. they have healthy boundaries. True. Very you true. Have them. That's how you become and stay powerful. You want, you want to, I see people talking about, you know, manifesting abundance and doing all these things all the time and like having this great life, but they're not looking at boundaries and you're not going to get there if you cannot protect and, and put importance on yourself being in, a, in the emotional state you want to be in all the time. That is so important and so overlooked. Yeah. That's the foundation of any of that is, is boundaries. Exactly. You can build all the stuff on top of it, but if that foundation is shaky and you cannot draw lines in the sand when you don't feel right, or you're at that point, I've been at this point before too. So this isn't judgment, but if you're at that place where you're not even paying attention to how you feel and what you desire, and what you want, you've turned it off. I have to tell you that you will never get to a good place that way ever. Right. Cause there's no way to maintain it. Cause there's, there's nothing supporting it. There's nothing protecting it. Yes. And there are people in your life that you're going to put in boundary level four and it's going to sting. It's going to suck. Yep. Um, but you're going to do it and you're going to protect that so that the you that shows up for those number ones and twos in your life is, right. it has more to give. There's more in your cup to pour out of. Exactly. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, I enjoy talking about boundaries with you. I would love to hear what our listeners think, what they struggle with, with, with boundaries. Um, and if, if, like we said, if they try the levels, how it went. Yeah. I want to hear all of it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jay. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Can I ask everyone listening to do us a favor? Can you please Go wherever you're listening to this, whatever platform you listen to the IGG on. Can you go on for us, please? And like, whatever it's asking you to do, like, like, follow, download, rate, write a review. We would love for you to do that for us. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Thank you.